Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 28. And it came to pass about... And eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. Behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. There came a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Let us unite together in prayer. Our Father, we're grateful for a time that we can come into your house to refresh our spirits, to lift our hearts in praise to you, in thanksgiving for all that we have received from your bountiful hand. We thank you that even in times of distress, remorse, in agony, in the losses that we have suffered, that we even in these things can praise your holy name and thank you for your goodness and mercy and caring for us as we have need. We thank you, Lord, for these who have come this morning to share together in a time of praise and of worship. We lift our voices in petition that you will protect those that are absent from us any away for a period of relaxation as they vacation from their normal daily activities. Would you bless them? May they find themselves in, in your house somewhere today, there to share with others the glorious news of Jesus Christ and his redemptive power. Thank you, Lord, for this time we can refresh our souls now as we look to you into your word. May the message that is delivered have something to say to each of us that would glorify your name and bless our lives through Christ our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. In this passage of Scripture, is read and recognized by probably all of us, but I think sometimes we don't comprehend the impacts that it really ought to have upon us. 
I'd, I'd like for us to, to look a little bit at it. We have the story of Jesus taking three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and going up into a mountain that is not here identified for the purpose of praying. And while he is in the midst of praying, the scripture tells us in that 29th verse that his appearance began to change. His countenance, it is called in the King James, was altered. He took on a different look. And even the clothing that he had on changed in that they became very white and glistened. And with him there appeared two men that these apostles recognized as Moses and Elijah. These two men are talking to Jesus about a specific subject. And that subject was his pending death and what ought to be and will be accomplished by his death in Jerusalem in just a short while. The disciples, and Peter included, were asleep initially, and then they awoke, and they observed this scene of Jesus and two men in glowing apparel, talking with the Lord, and they heard what was spoken. It excited Peter. He had what we might call a mountaintop experience. He was never so elated in all his life. He was excited spiritually to the point that he didn't know what to do. And so being Peter, he blurted out the first thing that came to his mind and said, um, it's good that we're here on top of this mountain. We ought to stay here. And these are my words that I'm putting in Peter's mouth a little bit to get the content of what he was saying. He said, let us build here three tabernacles, or three places of worship, one for Moses and one for Elijah, and one for you, and we ought to just stay here. And the scripture says in the latter part of verse 33 that Peter didn't know what he was saying, for it was impossible for him to stay on top of that mountain in this experience. It was necessary that Jesus go back down to the valley where he was soon to die. As he spoke those words, our scripture says that a cloud came over them, and that is a cloud in Gotham, verse 34. They sort of entered into the cloud like a huge fog bank, and out of that cloud came a voice that said to Peter and to James and John, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. I think there probably are few words ever spoken that are more important than those words. And probably fewer words ever ignored as much as those words. If Jesus speaks to us, then we ought to hear him. The cloud went away, the voice stopped, and it was just Jesus and his three disciples. 
The ecstasy that Peter experienced was a great feeling of excitement, spiritual elevation. Jesus was transfigured and he saw the change, the glory that shone round about Jesus. And he saw Moses and Elijah and said, we ought to just stay here. We would like to have this kind of experience forever. You and I have many times been in an experience similar. We've had them here in this very sanctuary when we have been lifted to the very mountaintop of excellence in the presence of the Lord. We have felt elated. There have been floods of joy flowing from our eyes and smiles on our faces and hugs and kisses and enjoyment that we can't even begin to imagine. And it would be great if we could have this experience all the time. Some of you have expressed the desire to let's just keep this experience. We all know that we can't always do that. But we ought to reach for it. We ought to strive for that type of experience. I want you to follow with me on some illustrations, then I'll come back to the point I want to make. Have you ever been out in the woods? You got a glimpse of a wildflower that caught your attention over the edge of a cliff just out of reach. And you saw the beauty of that to the point that you just had to have it in your hand so that you could smell its fragrance and admire its beauty and perhaps put it in your lapel or take it home and put it in a glass that you might continue to, to admire, but it was out of reach. And you would lay down on your stomach and reach with all the strength you have and the length of your arm and even perhaps have somebody grab hold of my feet and hold on to me. I've got to have that flower. And there was no thought of risk that you might fall over the cliff, or if you thought about it, your consideration was the risk is worth it. If I could just get that flower, have it in my hand to hold, I want that beautiful flower in my hand. And you reached for it. All right? Consider the athletic field. When a player is out there on the field and he's going against the odds, perhaps he's on the, the track and he is in a hundred yard race or a mile race, and you see every muscle in that favorite person of yours, you sit in the stands, striving and reaching for everything he has in order to get across that finish line first. Or perhaps he's in the, the broad jump. And as he runs down that track to make his jump, every eye in the audience, the stands, is faced upon him and we're yelling, Go! 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 And he hears it. And it gives him a renewed desire 
against a pitch beyond the record, and the crowds go wild because he has put everything into getting what he wanted. Maybe you're in a baseball game. The score in the bottom of the ninth is the opposing team one, your team zero. There are two outs. You are next to back. There's one runner on first base that would tie the game. It's going to take you to win it. Fear of failure maybe comes up a little bit. But the fans begin to yell, and in the jubilation that they experience, it causes your adrenaline to start pumping. And although you have three balls and two strikes, and the pitch comes down the lane, and you swing with all your might, and it goes over the fence. And you take your nice, easy trot around the track with the stands standing up and cheering because you put everything into one pitch. You reached with all your might that you might obtain the most beautiful experience of life, and you succeeded. Somebody has said, how sweet it is. Maybe it's academic excellence that you're after. I sat in the stands at Scott High School at graduation for the specific purpose of giving support to those of our own congregation who are graduating. But I was impressed by the cheers that were given from some sections of the stand for some graduate. When I graduated, I don't remember anybody cheering for me. I walked across the stage and got my diploma, and everybody was quiet, and I don't remember anybody cheering for anyone at my high school graduation or my college graduation. But this past graduation at Scott High, there was one person go across the stage. I didn't know anybody but two in the whole group. But I remember seeing this individual cross the stage and a whole host of people would stand and yell and clap and cheer. And as he came across the field in front of the stand, he held up his diploma and smiled and waved. And I thought, that young lady or that young man had a group of people behind him that caused him to be successful and he had achieved because he or she had reached out for excellence and had accomplished it. Sweet victory was in the air. Or mother. Times of birth. For nine months, she has gone through the agony and the pain and the burden of carrying that baby. And many times, you ladies who are mothers, I'm sure, said during that time of pregnancy, Why did I do this? 
I just wish I weren't. But after the agony of the delivery and they lay that beautiful baby in your arms, it's all smiles and hugs and everything is fine or there's nothing better. Nothing better. But you know, there's a risk. You could have thought as you reached over that cliff to gain that wild flower, I might slip, therefore I better play it safe and not pick it. Or that person going to bat might say, there's a chance I'll strike out. And I'm going to be looked upon as the loser of the game. Therefore, I think I'll say to the coach, put in somebody else for me. Let me sit it out. Or one of those graduates might have said, I'll never make it. Nobody in my family has ever graduated. Nobody in my family's ever gone to college. I'll not be the magnitude blood. I'll just be a miserable failure, therefore I'm not going to try. Or a mother might have said, I don't think I'll have any children because the baby might die. The temptation to play it safe leaves us short of the mountaintop experiences that we don't, that we want to have and we don't because we're afraid to take the risk. For we don't play the ball game. We don't strive for academic achievement. We never try to give birth to a child for fear that there will be too great a risk. Peter Marshall, who was the chaplain of the United States Senate years ago, told the story of a World War I soldier who was in the trenches with his rifle aimed at the enemy, all waiting to start firing, knowing that the enemy was over there and snipers were around. And as he looked out across the field, a little butterfly came along and landed on the end of his gun barrel. And it caused him to think back to his home and the times that he had had and going through the fields and, and seeing the butterflies. He couldn't resist the temptation to reach out, to hold in his hand that beautiful little butterfly that he might admire its beauty and remember the times he had had at home. He was willing to face the risk of a sniper's bullet in order that he might obtain the beautiful. What does all this have to do with this particular passage of Scripture? What's the application? The implication is, if you want a mountaintop experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to feel the excellence of his presence, you're going to have to put yourself into it and be willing to take some risk and to reach out for that which appears to be unattainable. Because in the risk that we take, the Lord is going to bless us and we're going to hold in our hands we're going to be standing on the mountaintop with the Lord Jesus and saying how great it is. It doesn't get any better. We don't achieve that by crawling into our cocoon and being afraid to come out. 
We don't achieve that by being unproductive and afraid to take chances in the service of the Lord. The scripture, I believe, tells us that in God's service, he expects us to reach out and take a chance. And as a result, our lives will be greatly blessed and we'll be standing on the mountaintop. It takes risk. It takes energy. It takes vision. It requires somebody who's willing to go for it. I suggest to you this morning that we ought to climb the mountain with the Lord Jesus. We can stand on its top and there have this exhilarating experience that Peter and the others had. But before we get to the top of the mountain, there's a valley that we've got to walk through. And that's where most of us are most of the time. We are on top of the mountain once in a while. We're excited and exhilarated. But before we get there, we're going to have to go through the valley. And there are no shortcuts to the top of the mountain. What's down there in the valley? What's in the valley will cause the mountaintop experience. Let me suggest a few things that are in the valley. There's a heart that needs to be mended. There are many people who have suffered heartbreak and distress and turmoil that are all about us. You want an out-of-pop experience? Put your Christian faith to work in dealing with the person who is down and help them get up and you'll suddenly discover that you're not in the valley, you're standing on the mountain. That's how to get to the mountain, is to go through the heartbreaks of life and share a shoulder, a heart, a tear, and say, I understand, I love, I share. And you'll discover that the Lord has taken you out of the depths of despair in the valley and have placed your feet on the mountaintop with the Lord Jesus. I suggest to you there's a church to be built. We're here building a building for the glory of God. It's been a long, laborious task, and many people have put tremendous hours involved in it. Many, many of you have been involved in that. The day's going to come when we're finished. We're going through the valley now, but the day's coming when we're going to celebrate having a building complete to the glory of God. Then we're going to stand on the mountain. We have completed the tasks that we have committed ourselves to. I will suggest to you that there's loneliness down in the valley that needs to be overcome. There are lots of people who are very lonely. You know, one of the greatest diseases that faces many people today is the fact that they're alone and have nobody to share with. If there's anything that we as Christian people can do is to share our time with those who are lonely and need somebody to talk with, somebody to just commune with for a while. I suggest to you that if you would go to somebody who's lonely and share with him, you will discover that you're not down in the valley, you're standing on the mountain. I suggest to you that there's lots of sadness in this world. We can turn wherever we want if people are sad. And that sadness needs to be replaced with joy. 
The Lord God has given us the task of bringing people out of sadness and filling them with delight and joy by what we can do for them. And I will suggest to you that there are souls to be won. When is the last time that you have witnessed to somebody about their, their need of salvation? Listen, you want to stand on a mountaintop? You witness to somebody of what your faith means to you. It'll take root in that soul sometime, somehow, and the day will come when you put prayers to your belief and actions to your faith, that you will see results in the life of somebody. And when they walk the aisle to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're not in the valley, you're on the mountaintop. That's how you get to the top of the mountain. By putting your faith to work in the valley. transformed to the top of the mountain. But there's risk. Yes, there's a risk. Many people are afraid to get involved. The Lord Jesus wants his children to be involved. Not afraid of rejection, although there are times that that will come. Do not expect that every approach you make to everybody will be well, well received with open arms. You will be rejected at times. Do not be afraid of that. That's a part of the risk. Do not be afraid of the emotional trauma or the pain that might come as a result of what you attempt. Do not be afraid of being misunderstood or perhaps even of having your heart broken. Oftentimes we say, why risk it? I want to retreat somewhere where it's safe. What we're saying is, God, I'm down the valley, and I don't want to cross the valley, I don't want to get involved, but I want you to put me on the mountaintop. And the Lord will say to us, you can't have the mountain unless you have achieved the valley. Do you hear me? You want to go to the top of the mountain? Go through the valley first. Spread that faith of yours wherever it might take root. God says, reach out. You can't have the mountain until you have walked through the valley. But why do it? I'll tell you why. Because the end result is worth the risk. That person who reached over the cliff and finally pick that flower that he might admire it would say the risk is worth it for I have achieved my goal. That person on the ball field who steps to the plate and risks the chance of missing three balls will say it was worth the risk before I hit a home run. That mother who took the risk of giving birth will say it was worth it all when they hold the child. And you and I 
will say it was worth everything we endeavored to do for the cause of Christ when we see one soul saved, a new birth into his kingdom. In Jesus' name, we should walk through the valley, and when we have walked through the valley, we'll be rewarded by God, who will place our feet on the mountain. The thrill of victory is awaiting those who will risk putting their feet on the line reaching out to those who are in need. Our trio sings at times, the God of the mountains, the God of the valley. And Aaron sings, we're standing on holy ground. Listen, this morning can be a mountain. A mountaintop experience when you let your faith loose, let it work in the lives of people who are in the valley, you will find that you have been placed on the mountain. There is risk. But I think the Lord is challenging us to reach out for God rewards his faithful with an experience that will never be forgotten. Shall we pray? Eternal Father, our God, we are grateful for the times that we have stood with you in ecstasy on the mountaintop of Christian experience when our faith has been rewarded. The Lord, to get there, we know there's a valley across, and in that valley are all the needs of mankind. And you charged us, your disciples, your followers, your born-again children, to in your name allow our faith to be shown Allow our love to be demonstrated and woo into your love and yes, into your kingdom those who are in need about us. As hearts grieve today because of loss of loved ones, our Father, we pray that we will reach out. As souls are distressed because they do not know the security that we know in you, may we reach out to them. Take the risks, whatever we might be, because we believe that you have called us to your service, and we desire to serve you today. If there, Lord, is anyone in this congregation who is searching today for answers to the problems of life, May we, through this service, have reached out to them. And in your name, we beckon them to come to you. Lord, of a lost soul in this congregation, Lord, we know that they can find security in you. They can find salvation. They can find eternal life in Jesus Christ, who stood on the mountain with his disciples. So speak to every heart. 
whatever the needs might be. May your love flow over us. May the faith of every Christian be demonstrated as a result and reach out to those who are in need about us. May we love each other this day before we leave and share our faith with our love and our concern, our compassion for everyone who has need today. We pray in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.